T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, 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 good morning to you, baseball fans. It is Saturday on the score. It is 9 a.m. That means inside the clubhouse with me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine. And this particular Saturday, that means us live from the Cubs convention here at the Sheridan downtown Chicago. Convention coverage is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. The Cub convention off to a tremendous start yesterday, both for them and for us here on The Score, loaded with guests and conversations yesterday, as we will be today. And and news made a little bit yesterday. There'll be some more today with, uh, with guests and interviews right here on the radio station. And Bruce Levine, as always, is on top of all of it. What do you say, Bruce? How are you? Good morning. It's uh, great to be here at the convention. I think I've missed one in all of these years, so uh, I'm always raring to go when it's uh, baseball time in Chicago, especially in January, and the Cub convention kicks it off. Go ahead and feel like spring right here in the middle of winter. Yeah, looking around, this is just like, uh, you know, it, it's just like it used to be, right? Just a, just a few people, a few of your closest friends. No, it, it's, it's obviously been quite a, quite a change well, through the years to get here You where know, we it's are. funny you say closest friends. Every person in this room uh, has a kindred spirit in here. You know, there, there's that instant, uh, hey, we're all about being Cub fans. We're all about being together. Uh, we have uh, gone to war. We've seen uh, world championships now. We want more. So from that perspective, uh, these are all brothers and sisters out here right now. Lots to cover, lots to discuss. Uh, right here on 670, the score, not just Cubs stuff, but also White Sox stuff uh, as well, because Manny Machado continues to be unsigned, and there's some crazy stuff that came out last night. Before we do that, let's tell you, uh, Jed Hoyer is going to be on this show at about 930 right here in person. And uh, also here later on in the 10 o'clock hour, Chris Bryant and David Bodie back to back in the 10 o'clock hour with me and with Bruce. There'll be other Cubs guests Later on with Steve Rosenblum and Mike Esposito. So the news of uh, yesterday, uh, a lot of things going on. You Darvish uh, is going to be uh, throwing a bullpen today, and uh, he expects to uh, start throwing regularly and be absolutely ready for spring training. Yeah, so you Darvish talking about that, Bruce, with the and also the confidence level. You Darvish talking about how he you know, and is more comfortable with his teammates. He'll be more comfortable with the surroundings. He has confidence that he belongs personally. He needs the atmosphere to be good and encouraging as much as he needs the health. It's multifaceted with him, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've developed a little relationship with him where he'll, he'll talk to me in English 
and his English is really good. He doesn't like to do it in group settings because it makes him feel a little bit uh, conscious of uh, you know using the proper terms. But his English is very good, and he's raring to go. He talked to, talked to me a little bit about how um, he he feels he owes it to uh, organization and the fans to uh, come out and be a, a top pitcher this year, and he feels if he's healthy, he's going to do it. Well, he needs to. He he has to, um, just to get to get this team where it, it needs to be. I mean, obviously, you can you can look at things the way they went last year and say the big free agent acquisitions are a healthy Chris Bryant and a healthy Yu Darvish, and if those guys perform up to their level of capabilities, then things would be a hell of a lot different last year, and hopefully they will be this year from their perspective. By the way, Matt, uh, Max and Benny's in Northbrook, one of your sponsors here for Inside the Clubhouse. It's your home for the best food in Chicagoland. Here's the checklist. The best deli? Yes. The best restaurant? No doubt. The best bakery? Indeed. Dinners from 4 to 9 feature full meals of roast beef, chicken, and the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. Bakery goods to die for includes sugar cookies, mandel bread, home-baked bagels, and bialis at maxandbennies.com. Private party room and business meeting area seats 10 to 150. Catering is king. Ask for John at maxandbennies.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's. Love you some Cub Convention. Mr. Spiegel. Yeah, uh, as as you should, and uh, and as you know, this is a very odd moment here. It's a very it's a very healthy franchise. That's what I find myself thinking about. Bruce is sometimes in the middle of a winning window, a very healthy franchise uh, performs as a business, and this is a very successful business. Towards the end of their renovations, the end of uh, of all the work and construction they're doing around the ballpark. But it is, it's not quite done. And I think the revenue from, all, from said renovations and construction is not quite flowing as perhaps they thought it would be at this point. And I know it's been distressing for fans to see the inactivity. Um, but it is a team that has, as you look around still, a top five or top eight MLB roster. It's a very, very good team. But at this moment in the franchise's history, Bruce, they will sell tickets. They will be profitable. They will move forward on construction issues, and they'll move towards the TV deal. And hopefully they'll improve from within as a ball club. The, the question for me is um, no one seems to be happy. Why is it that no one's happy with a 95-win team with great young players still on the come? Uh, with a championship caliber franchise that has averaged 97 wins mm-hmm. the last four years. Why is everybody walking around with a frown? Because it ended ugly and because Theo... That, that's October. Yeah, that's three months ago. But they gave the tone and talk about how ugly it ended and how things had to change and you had to stop thinking about potential and had to think about production. The tone of Theo's closing address was very much, we're going to shift some things here. And things have not been shifted here. Dad, didn't you expect trades? I think people expected at least trades, if not signings and big money deals, as we've come to learn what the realities are there. And that's been a depressing thing of, of its own if you're, if you're really allowing yourself to think about it. Um, but there also haven't been deals. This lineup comes back fairly intact other than Daniel Descalso for Tommy Listella. You know, uh, Tom Ricketts was on with Mully and Haw on Friday morning, and he talked about that internally we have the solutions. We have a great young team. They should get better. We've heard the same thing from Theo. 
Uh, Jed Hoyer will be joining us at 9.30. He'll probably talk to us a little bit more about that. Um, it sounds a little bit defensive because you know how aggressive Epstein and Hoyer are. You know they, wanna, they want to they they. get better players. They know their window is three years. And here's the other thing we know. We don't know if this team is going to hit. We think they're going to hit better. Three pitch hitting coaches in three years. But do, are we sure that this team is going to hit? Are you sure about Schwarber? Are you sure about Hap? Are you sure about uh, Contreras? Are you sure they're going to get better? Uh, is Almora a part-time player or a full-time center fielder? There are still a lot of question marks for guys that have already been there, done a lot of things. Most of them have helped you win a World Series, but mm-hmm. their careers are still questionable. Uh, you, you know what it is for me, Bruce, is that the, the desire and the need, the necessity now, is for development to happen on demand. And they have always told us that development is nonlinear. They are now demanding that it be linear. I, I am a guy who's been I, I accused. Think that's a good point. Right? I mean, I've, yeah. I'm a guy who's been accused of being somewhat of a magical thinker in regards to baseball sometimes. I believe in good vibes, Bruce, and positive people and a team outlook, chemistry and comfort level, facilitating. You better have the right talent. Right, well, yeah, but the, the chemistry and comfort facilitating improvement and excellence, right? They seem to be banking on that. And while it's, I love that they don't um, dismiss that, to simply bank on it feels out of character right. for them to be banking on that sort of development because they've improved the chemistry, improved the people who are around them, improved some of the teaching as well. I think the mistake in this day and age is there's such a concentration on specific numbers, okay? The old days, yeah, you had to have a batting average, you had to drive in runs, you had to hit home runs. Those are specific numbers, but now it's OPS, okay? It's war. If your war, if your OPS isn't right, then there's something uh, wrong with your development. You're doing something wrong. When in reality, as you said, it's not linear. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. Right, and they're banking on it. Right, they're banking on it, and they know by their experience, they're really smart guys that have accomplished a lot. They know that's not an exact... They know it right. definitely could happen again. They know that the offense could be just about the same as it was at the end of last year. We're going to take a break in a couple of minutes here. Actually, we'll take a break now on 670 The Score because we're going to come back and talk to Cubs general manager Jed Hoyer. We will have time today um, and plenty of it to talk about Manny Machado and the sort of surprising mystery teams that seemed to come out of nowhere last night. Bruce, two mystery teams. There's a report late last night. That I think it's the... Um, Kansas City A's and the <laughs> St. Louis Browns. I fear that the White Sox are becoming the Chicago leverage at 35th and Shields. At least publicly, they seem to be being used as the Chicago leverage as opposed to the Chicago White Sox, and that can't feel good. We'll talk about that in more. 312-644-6767. We're here for you Cubs and Sox fans. We might be at the convention, but we talk to all of you Chicago fans every Saturday from, ele- from 9 to 11 on inside the clubhouse. 6711 is how you text us. We'll read them. 312-644-6767. Back with Cubs GM Jed Hoyer right after this on The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse every Saturday morning. Bruce Levine is him. Me, I'm Matt Spiegel. And we are live today 
from the Cubs convention. And right next to you, um, Bruce, is a man who's uh, been very busy, but not too busy to come over here and hang out for a bit. Absolutely. We're pleased to have the general manager of the Chicago Cubs, our good friend Jed Hoyer, join us at the Cub convention. Uh, you're, a, you're a pretty thorough Chicagoan and uh, Cub person now. Uh, the convention vibe initially, what was that like compared to now how you feel about it coming here? Yeah, you know, I guess uh, I feel like I'm at the point now. This is year eight, right? So, um, you know, I think that we still, uh, you know, I guess I'm people still think of us as, uh, you know, people from New England or whatever. But at some point, we're Chicagoans, right? I mean, we've been here a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, the, the convention, you know, the first year I was stunned. You know, we, I've never been a part of something like this with the other teams I've been with. You know, the Red Sox just had a writer's dinner. Um, the Padres, you know, they had... <laughs> 12 people would pack into Petco Park for a, you know, for an event, you know. Um, and so the first, I remember the first time we, we had this, I think it was at the Hilton. And uh, I, I was blown away by, by how big it was. And, and it's great. I mean, it's a great weekend. And I think that it's, um, I think we're all at that point where, you know, you're, you're tired of winter and you just want baseball to start. And um, I think this provides that every, every year. I think every year um, you look forward to seeing the guys. You know, I think that uh, it's sort of a, a sneak preview. And, and I guess this year is a little different because we saw a lot of the guys at Rizzo's wedding. But usually this is the first time you've seen most of the players all winter. And you're, you're just ready to see them and ready to, to get down to Arizona and get started. Uh, just a couple of basics for the fans and some things that come up all the time for us, Jed. The organization gives baseball operations a budget, right? They give you a budget. The tax appears to not be the issue right now, but the budget that you're being given appears to be an issue right now. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I guess I look at it like we talk about an issue. I mean, we have a really high payroll. Understood. You know, I think we're going to have the third highest payroll this year, and you know, everyone has a budget in, in life, right? I mean, unless you're Jeff Bezos, you have a, right, bu- a right. budget, you know? And so, you know, our budget is plenty high. You know, um, Is it a surprise to you what it is now as opposed to what you thought it would be in November? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think, you know, listen, I think that you know, a lot of things, um, you know, came together, um, you know, to, to probably put, you know, put us in this situation. You know, I think that uh, we probably had some needs this winter uh, in the rotation maybe that we would, wouldn't have expected, you know, at, at this time a year ago. Um, but, yeah, no, as far as, like, it's a surprise, not a surprise at all. But I think that, you know, to me, like, the, the angst – has been a little bit uh, misguided when it comes to, to the budget. I mean, at some point, you, you look at the size of our payroll that we're going to be we're going to be over the tax, you know, and you think to yourself like um, the expectation that there's that there's not a budget that that there's sort of en- there's an endless pool of money. That's just not realistic. I mean, right. I think that you know the Ricketts are great owners. They've given us a lot of money, and it's our job to invest it wisely. You know, I think that's the debate, right? Is, you know, but the de- debate can't be over the size of the budget. Right, and, and last year as you were investing the way you were with free agency, were you aware that that was going to present limitations for this year? Did you think about the two years together, as you've often said you do? You never have a perfect sense of, of what the budget is going to be a year out because, you know, if we go deeper in the postseason, for example, you know, things might have been different or, you know, the timing of, of, of different uh, money coming into the business side could be different. So you never know exactly what it's going to be. You have a, a rough sense, but you don't really have a great sense of what the budget is going to be exactly until after the season. And, yeah, listen, if we play much deeper in October, maybe things are a little different. You know, certain things happen, maybe things are a little different. So uh, you don't know exactly, but the bottom line is we had a pretty good sense. And, um, I mean, I think that kind of leads into you know, I really feel like we have 
a very good team. You know, we need to we need to make some adjustments. I think we need to um, continue to try to find depth in certain areas and, and improve cer- certain areas. But the idea that we don't have enough talent on this team, or that we needed to go out and spend massive amounts of dollars to to do that, we won 95 games in a year where I think we all felt a little bit disappointed. And so uh, the talent's there. The division's going to be excellent. Um, we have our work cut out for us. I mean, when you look around the diamond, when you start start introducing these guys at Cubs convention and start writing out what we have, you know, shortage of talent is not going to be our, our, our challenge. We're live at the Cub convention. He's Spiegel. I'm Levine. We're here with Jed Hoyer, the general manager of the Cubs. And, uh, Jed, when you look at the offense, okay, we've talked about that um, improvement isn't always linear, okay? You're somewhat, at this point, depending on it being so. Um, that's a difficult maybe, isn't it? Uh, when, when it comes to, uh, you look at players who you feel should be more accomplished. Some of them had bad years last year. Some, as we know, are still young players in development. Yet, um, knowing your experience and Theo's experience, doesn't it make you feel just a little bit uh, on edge knowing that uh, you can't project them to be outstanding players? You know, I wouldn't say it that way. I, I think that, the, you know, yes, obviously there is, um, you know, there are guys that, that struggled last year that whether it was injury that, that led to those struggles or whether it was just, you know, you know, mechanical struggles or confidence struggles, whatever. You know, we had a bunch of guys that, that didn't have their best season. You know, really, I think if you look at our offense, Javi was incredible. Um, Zobrist, at, you know, at his age, had an unbelievable season. And I think Rizzo is sort of like a metronome. He's sort of you know, ends up with the same numbers, you know, every year. But really, almost to a man, without naming everybody, the rest of the guys either either were slightly below what they probably expected or well below. And so I think we have a lot of guys, I think, that we see, you know, positive regression, that they're going to they're gonna get better. And is that a gamble? Like, it's a gamble I'd like to take. You know, right. I think that it, it is somewhat of a gamble. I mean, I'm it's one I, I, I like, but of course it is a little bit. But... You know, when you look back at the lineups in 16 and 17 and 18, it's it's virtually the same guys. I'll throw this in. Brian hits 40, drives in 120. Uh, everybody else gets better because the big boy, along with the other guys, are, are doing what they do. Yeah, and, and last year, I, I, I don't... When I think back to the trade deadline last year, we didn't even talk about position players. We were leading the league in batting average. We're leading the league in in uh, in, in um, run scored. We're leading the league in in non base percentage. It wasn't even a consideration to add to the offense. Our offense was at that point. We're like, hey, we're good. We're fine. You fast forward two months and you know seventy ish games of struggles, and everyone wants to totally change the offense. I understand why they they say that. I get it, but it means we can't we can't forget how we felt in July and so many factors led into what happened in the second half. And there's no doubt, like, what happened in the second half was unacceptable. You know, Theo said at the end of the year the offense broke. You know, we scored, you know, zero or one runs, you know, 21 times, which was, you know, it felt every bit of that. Um, But I don't think we can forget that in 17 we, you know, scored 822 runs and effectively led the league. The first half of of last season we led the league. So it's not as as if this group hasn't had a lot of success together. We just, the most recent thing we just watched was not success. Adjustments. Uh, exactly. They have to make them. Exactly. Jed, I've, um, I've been accused of being kind of a magical thinker sometimes because I believe in positive people, team chemistry, 
good vibes, confidence, the atmosphere. Cinderella. Well, no, not Cinderella quite as much, but it, it seems, and, and I've always loved that you and Theo have not dismissed that kind of thing, that, that human side of like, man, if these guys all feel better and there's a good, good personalities around them, that can change things. With the positivity and the character of the coaches you've hired, this seems to be something that you're, you're hoping for. Is that, is that fair to say that, that you're changing that chemistry and hoping that has an effect on some of these young guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've said this before that, you know, to me, the, like, the biggest change in my thinking over my career is probably uh, going from someone who was sort of the, the anti-you on those things and this felt like chemistry was a three-game winning streak to someone that I really do believe that um, – the atmosphere you walk into every day, the kind of people you have, I think it makes a massive difference. And I think that it just makes sense. If you know, Are you going to be more productive going to work in a place that you love walking into every day? Or are you going to be more productive going to work if you don't like your coworkers and that people are negative and people don't like each other? I mean, it's, just, it's just human nature. Like People don't react the same to a negative environment and a positive environment. And so if you want to get the most out of your people, you have to create that environment. And so... Um, now, saying that, I think that the environment does have something to do with how you're doing as well. I mean, you know, you can't say that we had a positive environment at the end of last year. I think there wasn't, it wasn't negative, but certainly guys were frustrated with how they're playing and, and guys were frustrated with, with uh, the way the team was playing. And so it wasn't quite the same, but it wasn't, it didn't get dragged down by environmental things. And I think you're, you're on to something. I mean, you look at our, our coaching staff, we do try to bring in people that we think are very positive. Um, you know, you, you have to have people that, are positive, but also can can um, directly address issues that that can provide that honesty. Um, the kumbaya thing doesn't work, right? <laughs> you know, these are these are adults, you know. But I think you have to be able to deliver a message in a positive way. Um, you know, people always talk about millennials or talk about you know the, the new generation, but the fact is is that the old school, you know, I don't talk to rookies until they have you know in, until they have a couple years in. You know, hazing, yelling at people, delivering that kind of message. Like, it just doesn't play in today's game, and you have to adjust to that. And I think we've tried to do that with our coaching staff. Free agency, uh, Harper, Machado. Uh, the last two years in free agency have been frustrating to guys like Spiegel and myself who do these shows. More importantly, <laughs> more importantly, we must change. Must, more, must importantly, change yeah. more importantly, fans, <laughs> yeah. where they hear the same type of uh, give and take where I'll get some information from an agent and maybe put something out there. Uh, Matt will get something from a front office person and put something out there. And it's all about uh, posturing to the point where we're three months into it and some of the top players of the last 10 years are still not signed. Um, From your perspective as a front office person, but more importantly as a fan, do you think there there should be a like a time limit where people are signed in the off season? Yeah, I, mean, I would love it if they would, you know, say January fifteenth was a, was the deadline, and that way we could all sort of work towards something. And then after that was over, we would actually have some time, like most sports, to like kind of gather ourselves before the season. You know, the way this thing has started to, to drag out, it has become sort of two sides staring at each other and. You know, both sides are wanting the other to, to make the adjustment. And what we've really done is November has become a hiring month where all you do is interview people and hire people for front office positions and coaching positions. 
And then people turn their attention to players in December. And the winter meetings has become sort of the um, get-to-know-you um, exchange ideas forum that the, the GM meetings used to be that are a month earlier. And that's the part that I, I want to see us get away from is that you know, there's no need there's no need to to have a situation where you're talking to players you know in, in you know at the you know, at the winter meetings or, and having it drag into Christmas and then into January November is a perfectly fine month to go out and do things we're all prepared at that point we spend uh, you know the end of the season and we spend October you know preparing our off season. Um, you know, everyone gets their budgets at that point. There's just no reason in the world that we don't hit the ground running in November on on player stuff, and we don't anymore. And I hope that changes because yeah. I found it a lot more enjoyable when we could actually get stuff done early and then and then have a time in January to do, you know, either get away or even have, like, you know, sort of some team-building stuff that you could do um, as opposed to you know dragging out free agency up you know into the into spring training, and certain guys need the comfort level of knowing where they're going. You Darvish signed two days before camp last year, right? And then and that that leads me to something he said yesterday about his confidence level being much more comfortable. What do you, what's a realistic expectation for you? I know he's going to throw off the mound for the first time next Friday, right? Yeah, I mean, well, answering both questions, I mean, I think sometimes we do forget these guys are human beings and. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was a player, you know, with a wife and kids, my wife would want to know where are we going, where are we living, you know, where's my place in spring training, where are we taking the kids, where are the kids going to be in school, all these things. And the idea that players aren't affected by that is unrealistic. They are. You know, you know they want to know where they're going to be. They want to be able to envision themselves, and they don't want to be dealing with their wife trying to find a school for the kids in the last week of spring training because they, they signed late. And so all these things do factor in to comfort. And players do want to know early, and they should. I would want to know early. Um, as far as you goes, I mean, he feels great. Uh, he's in a good place mentally. Um, you know, what's a realis- realistic expectation? A realistic expectation for you, Darvish, is that he's a top rotation starter. I mean, I think that that's what, he's, that's what he's been. He's been a dominant guy. I think that, you know, my hope certainly is he gets right back to that. You know, I don't, I don't see any reason... Um, to lower expectations from where they have been for the rest of his career. Obviously, I want to see him progress from the surgery. I know that the initial, you know, uh, long toss and stuff has gone really well. Our trainers are thrilled with where he is. I think he is as well. Um, so, you, I mean, wait and see as he gets off the mound. But I don't, I don't see any reason to lower expectations for what he can be as a starter, which does make me really excited for our, you know for a season. So, a couple uh, agents talked to me GM meetings in December, and they said the Cubs. Theo and Jed are always active. They're always talking to us. They always talk about our players, but they have no money. Um, that That's, you know, whether I don't think they made it up. They, they just said, hey, we love your player, but we can't necessarily sign a uh, bullpen guy to a three-year $36 million contract right now. Um, from the perspective of the rest of the offseason, what can you realistically add in the area of the bullpen, maybe a backup catcher, another right-handed hitting outfielder if you feel you need that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as, as always, I think that, you know, talking about what our budget actually is doesn't really help us in, in the market. Um, obviously, you know, I think that um, we haven't spent a lot this winter. I think that, you know, there's, there's a reason for that. 
Um, but yeah, and I think we're we're certainly active. We're certainly talking to free agent relievers. We're certainly talking to uh, you know some other free agents at different positions and, and trying to add depth. And, and we're going to add more players. I mean, I think one of the the the, the factors with this offseason is that you know um, there's a lot of good players still out there because it's so late. So the idea that we still have this sense of like, oh, it's mid January, like the offseason's almost over. Like the offseason is not almost over. Right. Sadly, right? It's there's still a lot, a lot of guys. So. Uh, we'll definitely add. There's no question. We're in contact with a ton of agents on on a, on a lot of players, and uh, but yes, it you know has not been uh, you know a free a free spending winner, and and, and it's not it's not going to be free spending. That's for sure. And the the fact that the uh, farm system just hasn't produced. We know you have good players coming, but not there yet. Um, that just adds to the consternation for you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know we've. We've had, you know, obviously we, we had at one point, you know, an incredible farm system and we built it up. And But it, it's been more focused on position players. We've had a, a ton of success with those guys. You know, take away all the, you know, top 10 prospects. You still, you, we've still been cranking out guys, you know, like a Victor Caratini or David Bodie. I mean, we, we, we continue to, to have, bring up guys, you know, offensive players that, that have had success, but we have not even come close to having that success with arms. And, and that really is... You know, consternation is the right word. I mean, it's been a frustration of ours um, and something that we spent a ton of time, you know, not only during the season, but really a lot this winter trying to figure out, like, how do we, you know, uh, evaluate, draft, sign, develop pitching better? Because we've done, you know, a, a fantastic job with hitters, but we've not done a great job with pitching. And we need to we need to do that because, you know, there's a... Um, sustainability with pitching you, know, you, you like the ability to, to um, go down to the minor leagues even grab a guy to pitch out of the bullpen like it's so necessary because you're going to go through so many pitchers and that's been something we've been tight on and we had to you know last year we're adding guys at the end of the year like a Garcia like a De La Rosa they did a great job but it, it, it'd be so nice to be able to go grab a guy from double a or high a that we drafted to do that and we haven't had that luxury at this point Jed, we talked about this a little bit with the hitting coach, with Anthony Iposi, which was a very fun conversation on, on a lot of levels. He's a, he's a fun he's guy. He's great. Yeah. But we talked about specifically how you guys seem to get attacked and how a lot of launch angle hitters are getting attacked. High fastballs and the curve kind of using that same tunnel, you know, and just kind of messing with guys that way. I'm wondering if, how much of your front office analytics, your fancy charts and graphs, your math has been used on trying to figure out how to counter kind of the league-wide trend that has attacked some hitters in that style. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's always going to be there's always going to be a push and a pull, right? Um, you know, hitters, hitters, you know, have, have been really focused on launch angle. As a result, you know, guys that throw, you know, two-seam fastballs and guys that leave the ball in the bottom of the zone, those guys have been getting hit really hard, you know, because that 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 swing path is geared to that. And so, you know, how do you counter how do you counter that 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 angle of swing? You do it with forcing fastballs. You do it with curveballs. You stay up in the zone. Well, there's always going to be a, a, a push and a pull. So now, hitters are going to react back to that, and, and then and then hitters are going to have to adjust. And so, yeah, there's no doubt that a lot of time is spent, you know, trying to figure out the right way to attack pitchers as pitching at the top of the zone. And um, you know, I won't go into like you know, what we've studied, what we've learned, but I still, I still will always believe. Like I believe fully in launch angle and and believe in getting the ball in the air, but I also believe in situational hitting. And I just think that I don't believe the two things are counter to each other. Like the ability to have 
a B swing, so to speak, and be able to put the ball in play to battle when two strikes in, in a situation. Every swing that you take doesn't have to be your A swing, doesn't have to be your launch angle, hit a homer, get the ball in the air swing. Your swings can be geared towards hitting a ground ball at the right side, which is a good play. You know, they can be they can be geared towards beating a shift. They can be geared towards just staying through the middle and driving in a run in the right spot. And so I think that launch angle is great. It is I love it. But you've got to have a situational approach to the game because we don't take every swing with a 2-0 count and we don't take every swing with the bases empty or a man at first. Like there are times when a strikeout is a negative. And you know the idea that all outs are the same, all outs are not the same. They're all they're all the same with no one on base, right? Um, but they're not all the same when you've got a guy in scoring position and you need to win a baseball game. And so, to me, that's always the, the push and the pull. is like doing the right thing as far as getting the ball in the air and, and driving in runs and having slugging percentage, but then also playing winning baseball. And I think those things are, um, you know, they, they don't have to be exclusive. You can teach players to do both. 25 days to spring training. Jed, we thank you much for your time today, as always, and enjoy the rest of the convention i know uh people are going to have a great time as always but three and a half weeks and it's uh, baseball time can't happen quick enough no i was going to say this is the most i've ever looked forward to a to a season i just think that i want to i want to get out there and just start playing you know it's been um you know was it october 1st i think we lost the you know lost the playoff game it seems so, it seems so long ago and and we still have a bitter taste in our mouth i just i want to see baseball in a war, in warm weather and, and and go out and play so no, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that bitter taste uh, could lead to a lot of very driven ball players come spring and opening day, right? Uh, you know, it should. I mean, it led to a, you know, it led to a, a lot of focus this winter. All of our conversations with the players have been fantastic, and you know, sometimes it probably need, you probably need that um, that snap back to to uh, refocus. And I think that um, they will be. Thanks, Jed. Jed, we appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Take care. Jed Hoyer, general manager of your Chicago Cubs. We have some bills to pay. We'll be back soon. 312-644-6767. David Bodie will join us. A guy by the name of Bryant who plays third base for the Cubs. Chris, also right? scheduled. I, yes. I do remember him as well. A uh, lot more to go here all day long. The score here at the convention. 670 the score. We're right back with Inside the Clubhouse. It's really weird. Two, two of the best players in the game, and they have very little interest in them from just what I hear. Um, I mean, it's not good. I mean, I think it's something that... It's going to have to change. Um, you know, I know a lot of the other players are pretty upset about it, so I don't know, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, we still have another month left, but it is slow for sure. That is Chris Bryant yesterday right here at the Cubs convention. Bruce Levine talking about the state of the free agent market and how slow and awkward it's been for his friend Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. It has to change. That is something that you have to look at. He went on to say that other players have talked to him at length about it, and uh, baseball itself, the players involved, not happy about what's going on right now. We do have a little bit more from Chris Bryant about why this free agency has dragged on the way it has. Not enough teams trying to be competitive. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that have the money to spend, but they're not doing it. Um, you know, I, it just it's just very uh, confusing to me. You know, I mean, I think... If I was an owner, president, GM, I would love to have Bryce Harper or Manny Machado on my teams. Um, just playing against them, they're very frustrating to play against some of the best talent out there, and it seems like there's only uh, a few teams that really want them.
So you've got Chris Bryant and the players feeling that way. You asked, I think, the key question to Jed Hoyer that can be changed immediately and I think should be even for next season, and that is the structure of the offseason, to have a deadline of, say, January 15th so then teams can move forward and there is pressure on both the free agents and the front offices to get the deals done. I don't see it happening because uh, this has worked uh, so well for owners as of late. And they've kept the market uh, as far as years for players. Mm-hmm. The, the, the money uh, continues to go up. It's, it's, you know, they're getting high salaries. They're, there's not a problem there. People are making money. The, the question is, is uh, are the five-year deals, are the four-year deals uh, a rarity in the future? Uh, will anybody give anybody 31 or older uh, a contract over two or three years ever again? Mm-hmm. And uh, that in itself... Uh, has to be the determination, but this is this is working very well for ownership. See, and and what Chris said is true. It's working because a lot of the marketplace is not competing for the top players. Right, and, and you know, so as Jed answers that question and says there ought to be more of a structure, it, it sounds a little bit like he's uh, identifying with the players, but the ownership side doesn't want that. They want to keep things getting pushed the way right. they have been with Arietta and Darvish waiting all last year and, and then these guys waiting all this year. It's even harder for the Cubs who are pretty maxed out and they had to sit there and just watch it happening. You know, I mean, that's not Jed's style. That's not Theo's style. Mm-hmm. They're go-getters. They're guys that go out and try to get the best player. They know they have a window here to win over the next three years. After that, you got Bryant free agency. You have um, Baez free agency. You have Hendricks uh, free agency. You have um, your whole pitching staff uh, out of contract from that point on. So from that perspective, they're in a hurry to win another World Series here right now. You know, I, I know there's a ton of audio out there, a lot of people talking from the Cubs and, and every level. But in case anyone missed the Jed Hoyer interview, I, I hope they go back and check it out. And I hope folks were listening because I thought there was some really interesting stuff there from the front office's perspective on how Jed has changed and evolved as a guy and how some of the smartest people in the game, as they have grown, have evolved. He has gone back towards confidence and a good environment mattering. He has gone, he has gone back towards not all outs but, but being it, exactly didn't always, the same. Didn't always matter? Yes. But when you start out, like those guys did, these business school guys, young and in the business, and so analytical, they pushed for that other perspective. Like, no, we just got to, we have to do it based on the numbers and not the person. We have to, no, all outs are the same. Like those kind of pushes. But as you get older, you realize, and why this game is so interesting, it has to be a blend of those things. The analytics cannot give you heartbeat. They cannot give you emotion. These are things that still have to be determined by the top evaluators in the game, like Theo, like Jed, like their scouts. You have to know these things going in. There's not an analytic that's going to tell you whether a guy's going to fold up or not uh, when the first little bit of controversy or minor injury occurs. Mm-hmm. Is he going to sit on the bench? That's not going to help you there. And Tommy Hadovy and Anthony Iaposi are not just guys who strategically – and analytically fit into what they want. They're incredibly positive people that they think are going to improve the atmosphere for the ball club and the confidence of the ball club. And Jed obviously thinks it's a huge deal. I think they are positive, but nobody said that Chili Davis wasn't positive coming in. I think that's been intimated. 
coming, coming in. in. No, I, I think what's been intimated. They, they didn't is, bring him in because they thought he was going to create a hostile environment. No, I agree with that. But I so, think, uh, what, where, where's the vetting there? Well, I don't, I don't think perhaps they had either done enough or it didn't work exactly as they thought. And this is why they react from year to year. You've got the, 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 out, the fallout from Chili Davis's one year and Jim Hickey's. I saw it described as turbulent uh, one year, and I think that's maybe more of a personal, uh, yeah. referring to personal stuff. But the, the, the fallout from those two guys in their one year is that they needed personality change as much as they needed um, an analytical change. They won change. 95 games. I know. I know. I but, mean, but, look, but look, this is why they've made take, the changes they have. Will you take 95 wins right now? Would I take 95 wins right now? Um, Yes. Okay. Yeah, of course. You think, uh, of course you think you that, that would win the division? I think it probably would win the division because I think the Brewers and Cardinals might beat each other up a little bit more. And you might have a couple teams around 90, 91, 92, but I think 95 games probably does win this division. We have a lot of guests coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Chris Bryant is set to join us. David Bodie as well. Your call is always welcome. 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 67011. And I'll keep trying to get the supposed mystery team in on Manny Machado out of Bruce Levine. He won't tell me, folks. I'll pull it out of this uh, pocket. Okay. I'm really glad you said pocket. It's 670 the score. Keep it right here. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 